0: Yick Wo v. Hopkins. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kelly Robinson in Birmingham, Alabama. Yick versus v. Hopkins, an opinion of the United States Supreme Court, decided on May tenth, eighteen eighty-six. Please note, this reading includes a reading of the syllabus, followed by a reading of the Supreme Court's unanimous opinion. For ease of listening, this reading omits legal citations found within the text of the court's opinion. These two cases, Yikwo v. Hopkins and Wo Lee v. Hopkins, were argued as one and depend upon precisely the same state of facts the first coming here upon a writ of error to the supreme court of the state of california the second on appeal from the circuit court of the united states for that district the plaintiff in error yick woe on august twenty fourth eighteen eighty five petitioned the supreme court of california for the writ of habeas corpus alleging that he was illegally deprived of his personal liberty by the defendant as Sheriff of the City and County of San Francisco. The Sheriff made return to the writ that he held the petitioner in custody by virtue of a sentence of the Police Judges Court number 2 of the City and County of San Francisco, whereby he was found guilty of a violation of certain ordinances of the Board of Supervisors of that county, and a judge to pay a fine of $10 and, in default of payment, be imprisoned in the county jail at the rate of one day for each dollar of fine until said fine should be satisfied and a commitment in consequence of non-payment of said fine the ordinances for the violation of which he had been found guilty are set out as follows order number one thousand five hundred and sixty nine passed may eighteen eighty, prescribing the kind of buildings in which laundries may be located the people of the city and county of san francisco do ordain as follows section one it shall be unlawful from and after the passage of this order for any person or persons to establish maintain or carry on a laundry within the corporate limits of the city and county of san francisco without having first obtained the consent of the board of supervisors except the same be located in a building constructed either of brick or stone section two it shall be unlawful for any person to erect build or maintain or cause to be erected built or maintained over or upon the roof of any building now erected or which may hereafter be erected within the limits of said city and county any scaffolding without first obtaining the written permission of the board of supervisors which permit shall state fully for what purpose said scaffolding is to be erected and used and such scaffolding shall not be used for any other purpose than that designated in such permit section three any person who shall violate any of the provisions of this order shall be deemed guilty of a misdemeanor and upon conviction thereof shall be punished by a fine of not more than one thousand dollars or by imprisonment in the county jail not more than six months or by both such fine and imprisonment order number one thousand five hundred and eighty seven passed july twenty eighth eighteen eighty the following section section sixty eight it shall be unlawful from and after the passage of this order for any person or persons to establish maintain or carry on a laundry within the corporate limits of the city and county of san francisco without having first obtained the consent of the board of supervisors except the same may be located in a building constructed either of brick or stone the following facts are also admitted on the record that petitioner is a native of china and came to california in 1861 and is still a subject of the emperor of china that he has been engaged in the laundry business in the same premises and building for twenty-two years last past; that he had a license from the board of fire wardens dated march third eighteen eighty four from which it appeared that the above described premises have been inspected by the board of fire wardens and upon such inspection said board found all proper arrangements for carrying on the business that the stoves washing and drying apparatus and the appliances for heating smoothing irons are in good condition and that their use is not dangerous to the surrounding property from fire and that all proper precautions have been taken to comply with the provisions of order number one thousand six hundred and seventeen defining the fire limits of the city and county of san francisco and making regulations concerning the erection and use of buildings in said city and county and of order number one thousand six hundred and seventy prohibiting the kindling maintenance and use of open fire in houses that he had certificate from the health officer that the same premises had been inspected by him and that he found that they were properly and sufficiently drained and that all proper arrangements for carrying on the business of a laundry without injury to the sanitary condition of the neighborhood had been complied with that the city license of the petitioner was in force and expired october first eighteen eighty five and that the petitioner applied to the board of supervisors june first eighteen eighty five for consent of said board to maintain and carry on his laundry but that said board on july first eighteen eighty five refused said consent it is also admitted to be true as alleged in the petition that on february twenty fourth eighteen eighty there were about three hundred and twenty laundries in the city and county of san francisco of which about two hundred and forty were owned and conducted by subjects of china and of the whole number three hundred and twenty about three hundred and ten were constructed of wood the same material that constitutes nine-tenths of the houses in the city of san francisco the capital thus invested by the subjects of china was not less than two hundred thousand dollars and they paid annually for rent license taxes gas and water about one hundred and eighty thousand dollars it is alleged in the petition that your petitioner and more than one hundred and fifty of his countrymen have been arrested upon the charge of carrying on business without having such special consent while those who are not subjects of china and who are conducting eighty-odd laundries under similar conditions are left unmolested and free to enjoy the enhanced trade and profits arising from this hurtful and unfair discrimination the business of your petitioners and of those of his countrymen similarly situated is greatly impaired and in many cases practically ruined by this system of oppression to one kind of men and favoritism to all others the statement therein contained as to the arrest etc is admitted to be true with the qualification only that the eighty-odd laundries referred to are in wooden buildings without scaffolds on the roofs it is also admitted that petitioner and two hundred of his countrymen similarly situated petitioned the board of supervisors for permission to continue their business in the various houses which they have been occupying and using for laundries for more than twenty years and such petitions were denied and all the petitions of those who were not chinese with one exception of mrs mary meagles were granted by section eleven of article eleven of the constitution of california it is provided that any county city town or township may make and enforce within its limits all such local police sanitary and other regulations as are not in conflict with general laws by section 74 of the act of april 19th 1856 usually known as the consolidation act the board of supervisors is empowered among other things to provide by regulation for the prevention and summary removal of nuisances to public health the prevention of contagious diseases to prohibit the erection of wooden buildings within any fixed limits where the streets shall have been established and graded to regulate the sale storage and use of gunpowder or other explosive or combustible materials and substances and make all needful regulations for protection against fire to make such regulations concerning the erection and use of buildings as may be necessary for the safety of the inhabitants the supreme court of california in the opinion pronouncing the judgment in this case said the board of supervisors under the several statutes conferring authority upon them has the power to prohibit or regulate all occupations which are against good morals contrary to public order and decency or dangerous to the public safety clothes washing is certainly not opposed to good morals or subversive of public order or decency but when conducted in given localities it may be highly dangerous to the public safety of this fact the supervisors are made the judges and having taken action in the premises we do not find that they have prohibited the establishment of laundries but they have as they well might do regulated the places at which they should be established the character of the buildings in which they are to be maintained etc the process of washing is not prohibited by thus regulating the places at which and the surroundings by which it must be exercised. The order number 1569 and section 68 of order number 1587 are not in contravention of common right or unjust, unequal, partial, or oppressive in such sense as authorizes us in this proceeding to pronounce them invalid. After answering the position taken in behalf of the petitioner, that the ordinances in question had been repealed, the court adds, we have not deemed it necessary to discuss the question in the light of supposed infringement of petitioners' rights under the Constitution of the United States, for the reason that we think the principles upon which contention on that head can be based have in effect been set at rest by the cases of Barbier v. Connolly and Soon-Hing v. Crowley the writ was accordingly discharged and the prisoner remanded in the other case the appellant wo lee petitioned for his discharge from an alleged illegal imprisonment upon a state of facts shown upon the record precisely similar to that in the case of yik wo in disposing of the application the learned circuit judge sawyer in his opinion after quoting the ordinance in question proceeded at length as follows thus in a territory some ten miles wide by fifteen or more miles long much of it still occupied as mere farming and pasturage lands and much of it unoccupied sandbanks, in many places without a building within a quarter or half a mile of each other including the isolated and almost wholly unoccupied goat island the right to carry on this when properly guarded harmless and necessary occupation in a wooden building is not made to depend upon any prescribed conditions giving a right to anybody complying with them but upon the consent or arbitrary will of the board of supervisors in three-fourths of the territory covered by the ordinance there is no more need of prohibiting or regulating laundries than if they were located in any portion of the farming regions of the state hitherto the regulation of laundries has been limited to the thickly settled portions of the city why this unnecessary extension of the limits effected if not designed to prevent the establishment of laundries after compulsory removal from their present locations within practicable reach of the customers or their proprietors and the uncontradicted petition shows that all chinese applications are in fact denied and those of caucasians granted thus in fact making the discriminations in the administration of the ordinance which its terms permit the fact that the right to give consent is reserved in the ordinance shows that carrying on the laundry business in wooden buildings is not deemed of itself necessarily dangerous it must be apparent to every well-informed mind that a fire properly guarded for laundry purposes in a wooden building is just as necessary and no more dangerous than a fire for cooking purposes or for warming a house if the ordinance under consideration is valid then the board of supervisors can pass a valid ordinance preventing the maintenance in a wooden building of a cooking stove heating apparatus or a restaurant within the boundaries of the city and county of san francisco without the consent of that body arbitrarily giving or withheld as their prejudices or other motives may dictate if it is competent for the board of supervisors to pass a valid ordinance prohibiting the inhabitants of san francisco from following any ordinary proper and necessary calling within the limits of the city and county except at its arbitrary and unregulated discretion and special consent and it can do so if this ordinance is valid then it seems to us that there has been a wide departure from the principles that have heretofore been supposed to guard and protect the rights property and liberties of the american people and if by an ordinance general in its terms and form like the one in question by reserving an arbitrary discretion in the enacting body to grant or deny permission to engage in a proper and necessary calling a discrimination against any class can be made in its execution thereby evading and in effect nullifying the provision of the national constitution then the insertion of provisions to guard the rights of every class and person in that instrument was a vain and futile act the effect of the execution of this ordinance in the manner indicated in the record would seem to be necessarily to close up the many chinese laundries now existing or compel their owners to pull down their present buildings and reconstruct of brick or stone or to drive them outside the city and county of san francisco to the adjoining counties beyond the convenient reach of the customers either of which results would be little short of absolute confiscation of the large amount of property shown to be now and to have been for a long time invested in these occupations if this would not be depriving such parties of their property without due process of law it would be difficult to say what would effect that prohibited result the necessary tendency if not the specific purpose of this ordinance and of enforcing it in the manner indicated in the record is to drive out of business all the numerous small laundries especially those owned by chinese and give a monopoly of the business to the large institutions established and carried on by means of large associated caucasian capital if the facts appearing on the face of the ordinance on the petition in return and admitted in the case and shown by the notorious public and municipal history of the times, indicate a purpose to drive out the Chinese laundrymen, and not merely to regulate the business for the public safety, does it not disclose a case of violation of the provisions of the 14th Amendment to the National Constitution, and of the treaty between the United States and China, in more than one particular? If this means prohibition of the occupation— and a destruction of the business and property of the chinese laundrymen in san francisco as it seems to us this must be the effect of executing the ordinance and not merely the proper regulation of the business then there is discrimination and a violation of other highly important rights secured by the fourteenth amendment and the treaty that it does mean prohibition as to the chinese it seems to us must be apparent to every citizen of san francisco who has been here long enough to be familiar with the course of an active and aggressive branch of public opinion and of public notorious events can a court be blind to what must be necessarily known to every intelligent person in the state but in deference to the decision of the supreme court of california in the case of yick woe and contrary to his own opinion as thus expressed the circuit judge discharged the writ and remanded the prisoner. Mr. Justice Matthews delivered the opinion of the court. In the case of the petitioner brought here by writ of error to the Supreme Court of California, our jurisdiction is limited to the question whether the plaintiff in error has been denied a right in violation of the Constitution, laws, or treaties of the United States. The question whether his imprisonment is illegal under the Constitution and laws of the State is not open to us and although that question might have been considered in the circuit court in the application made to it and by this court on appeal from its order yet judicial propriety is best consulted by accepting the judgment of the state court upon the points involved in that inquiry that however does not preclude this court from putting upon the ordinances of the supervisors of the county and city of san francisco An independent construction for the determination of the question whether the proceedings under these ordinances and in enforcement of them are in conflict with the constitution and laws of the united states necessarily involves the meaning of the ordinances which for that purpose we are required to ascertain in a judge we are consequently constrained at the outset to differ from the supreme court of california upon the real meaning of the ordinances in question that court considered these ordinances as vesting in the board of supervisors a not unusual discretion in granting or withholding their assent to the use of wooden buildings as laundries to be exercised in reference to the circumstances of each case with a view to the protection of the public against the dangers of fire we are not able to concur in that interpretation of the power conferred upon the supervisors. There is nothing in the ordinances which points to such a regulation of the business of keeping and conducting laundries. They seem intended to confer and actually to confer not a discretion to be exercised upon a consideration of the circumstances of each case, but a naked and arbitrary power to give or withhold consent not only as to places but as to persons so that if an applicant for such consent being in every way a competent and qualified person and having complied with every reasonable condition demanded by any public interest should failing to obtain the requisite consent of the supervisors to the prosecution of his business apply for redress by the judicial process of mandamus to require the supervisors to consider and act upon his case it would be a sufficient answer for them to say that the law had conferred upon them authority to withhold their assent without reason and without responsibility the power given to them is not confided to their discretion in the legal sense of that term but is granted to their mere will it is purely arbitrary and acknowledges neither guidance nor restraint this erroneous view of the ordinances in question led the Supreme Court of California into the further error of holding that they were justified by the decisions of this court in the cases of Barbier v. Connolly and Soon-Hing v. Crowley. In both of these cases, the ordinance involved was simply a prohibition to carry on the washing and ironing of clothes in public laundries and washhouses within certain prescribed limits of the city and county of san francisco from ten o'clock at night until six o'clock in the morning of the following day this provision was held to be purely a police regulation within the competency of any municipality possessed of the ordinary powers belonging to such bodies a necessary measure of precaution in a city composed largely of wooden buildings like san francisco in the application of which there was no invidious discrimination against any one within the prescribed limits all persons engaged in the same business being treated alike and subject to the same restrictions and entitled to the same privileges under similar conditions for these reasons that ordinance was adjudged not to be within the prohibitions of the fourteenth amendment to the constitution of the united states which it was said in the first case cited undoubtedly intended not only that there should be no arbitrary deprivation of life or liberty or arbitrary spoliation of property but that equal protection and security should be given to all under like circumstances in the enjoyment of their personal and civil rights that all persons should be equally entitled to pursue their happiness and acquire and enjoy property that they should have like access to the courts of the country for the protection of their persons and property the prevention and redress of wrongs and the enforcement of contracts that no impediment should be interposed to the pursuits of any one except as applied to the same pursuits by others under like circumstances that no greater burdens should be laid upon one than are laid upon others in the same calling and condition and that in the administration of criminal justice no different or higher punishment should be imposed upon one than such as is prescribed to all for like offenses class legislation discriminating against some and favoring others is prohibited but legislation which in carrying out a public purpose is limited in its application if within the sphere of its operation it affects alike all persons similarly situated is not within the amendment The ordinance drawn in question in the present case is of a very different character it does not prescribe a rule and conditions for the regulation of the use of property for laundry purposes to which all similarly situated may conform it allows without restriction the use for such purposes of buildings of brick or stone but as to wooden buildings constituting nearly all those in previous use it divides the owners or occupiers into two classes not having respect to their personal character and qualifications for the business nor the situation and nature and adaptation of the buildings themselves but merely by an arbitrary line on one side of which are those who are permitted to pursue their industry by the mere will and consent of the supervisors and on the other those from whom that consent is withheld at their mere will and pleasure and both classes are alike only in this that they are tenants at will under the supervisors of their means of living the ordinance therefore also differs from the not unusual case where discretion is lodged by law in public officers or bodies to grant or withhold licenses to keep taverns or places for the sale of spirituous liquors and the like when one of the conditions is that the applicant shall be a fit person for the exercise of the privilege because in such cases the fact of fitness is submitted to the judgment of the officer and calls for the exercise of a discretion of a judicial nature the rights of the petitioners as affected by the proceedings of which they complain are not less because they are aliens and subjects of the emperor of china by the third article of the treaty between this government and that of china concluded november seventeenth eighteen eighty it is stipulated if chinese laborers or chinese of any other class now either permanently or temporarily residing in the territory of the united states meet with ill treatment at the hands of any other persons the government of the united states will exert all its powers to devise measures for their protection and to secure to them the same rights privileges immunities and exemptions as may be enjoyed by the citizens or subjects of the most favored nation and to which they are entitled by treaty the fourteenth amendment to the constitution is not confined to the protection of citizens it says nor shall any state deprive any person of life liberty or property without due process of law nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction an equal protection of the laws these provisions are universal in their application to all persons within the territorial jurisdiction without regard to any differences of race of color or of nationality and the equal protection of the laws is a pledge of the protection of equal laws it is accordingly enacted by section nineteen seventy seven of the revised statutes that all persons within the jurisdiction of the united states shall have the same right in every state and territory to make and enforce contracts to sue be parties give evidence and to the full and equal benefit of all laws and proceedings for the security of persons and property as is enjoyed by white citizens and shall be subject to like punishments pains penalties taxes licenses and exactions of every kind and to no other the questions we have to consider and decide in these cases therefore are to be treated as involving the rights of every citizen of the united states equally with those of the strangers and aliens who now invoke the jurisdiction of the court it is contended on the part of the petitioners that the ordinances for violations of which they are severally sentenced to imprisonment are void on their face as being within the prohibitions of the fourteenth amendment and in the alternative if not so that they are void by reason of their administration operating unequally so as to punish in the present petitioners what is permitted to others as lawful without any distinction of circumstances an unjust and illegal discrimination it is claimed which though not made expressly by the ordinances is made possible by them when we consider the nature and the theory of our institutions of government the principles upon which they are supposed to rest and review the history of their development we are constrained to conclude that they do not mean to leave room for the play and action of purely personal and arbitrary power sovereignty itself is of course not subject to law for it is the author and source of law but in our system while sovereign powers are delegated to the agencies of government sovereignty itself remains with the people by whom and for whom all government exists and acts and the law is the definition and limitation of power it is indeed quite true that there must always be lodged somewhere and in some person or body the authority of final decision and in many cases of mere administration the responsibility is purely political no appeal lying except to the ultimate tribunal of the public judgment exercised either in the pressure of opinion or by means of the suffrage but the fundamental rights to life liberty and the pursuit of happiness considered as individual possessions are secured by those maxims of constitutional law which are the monuments showing the victorious progress of the race in securing to men the blessings of civilization under the reign of just and equal laws so that in the famous language of the massachusetts bill of rights the government of the commonwealth may be a government of laws and not of men for the very idea that one man may be compelled to hold his life or the means of living or any material right essential to the enjoyment of life At the mere will of another seems to be intolerable in any country where freedom prevails as being the essence of slavery itself there are many illustrations that might be given of this truth which would make manifest that it was self-evident in the light of our system of jurisprudence the case of the political franchise of voting is one though not regarded strictly as a natural right but as a privilege merely conceded by society according to its will under certain conditions nevertheless it is regarded as a fundamental political right because preservative of all rights in reference to that right it was declared by the supreme judicial court of massachusetts in Capin v foster in the words of chief justice shaw that in all cases where the constitution has conferred a political right or privilege and where the constitution has not particularly designated the manner in which that right is to be exercised it is clearly within the just and constitutional limits of the legislative power to adopt any reasonable and uniform regulations in regard to the time and mode of exercising that right which are designed to secure and facilitate the exercise of such right in a prompt orderly and convenient manner nevertheless such a construction would afford no warrant for such an exercise of legislative power as under the pretence and color of regulating should subvert or injuriously restrain the right itself it has accordingly been held generally in the states that whether the particular provisions of an act of legislation establishing means for ascertaining the qualifications of those entitled to vote and making previous registration in lists of such a condition precedent to the exercise of the right were or were not reasonable regulations and accordingly valid or void was always open to inquiry as a judicial question the same principle has been more freely extended to the quasi-legislative acts of inferior municipal bodies in respect to which it is an ancient jurisdiction of judicial tribunals to pronounce upon the reasonableness and consequent validity of their by-laws in respect to these it was the doctrine that every by-law must be reasonable not inconsistent with the charter of the corporation nor with any statute of parliament nor with the general principles of the common law of the land particularly those having relation to the liberty of the subject or the rights of private property accordingly in the case of state v cincinnati gas light and coke company an ordinance of the city council purporting to fix the price to be charged for gas under an authority of law giving discretionary power to do so, was held to be bad, if passed in bad faith, fixing an unreasonable price for the fraudulent purpose of compelling the gas company to submit to an unfair appraisement of their works. And a similar question, very pertinent to the one in the present cases, was decided by the Court of Appeals of Maryland, in the case of City of Baltimore versus Reddick. In that case, the defendant had erected and used a steam engine in the prosecution of his business as a carpenter and boxmaker in the city of baltimore under a permit from the mayor and city council which contained a condition that the engine was to be removed after six months notice to that effect from the mayor after such notice and refusal to conform to it a suit was instituted to recover the penalty provided by the ordinance to restrain the prosecution of which a bill in equity was filed the court holding the opinion that there may be a case in which an ordinance passed under grants of power like those we have cited is so clearly unreasonable so arbitrary oppressive or partial as to raise the presumption that the legislature never intended to confer the power to pass it and to justify the courts In interfering and setting it aside as a plain abuse of authority it proceeds to speak with regard to the ordinance in question in relation to the use of steam engines as follows it does not profess to prescribe regulations for their construction location or use nor require such precautions and safeguards to be provided by those who own and use them as are best calculated to render them less dangerous To life and property nor does it restrain their use in box factories and other similar establishments within certain defined limits not in any other way attempt to promote their safety and security without destroying their usefulness but it commits to the unrestrained will of a single public officer the power to notify every person who now employs a steam engine in the prosecution of any business in the city of baltimore to cease to do so and by providing compulsory fines for every day's disobedience of such notice and order of removal renders his power over the use of steam in that city practically absolute so that he may prohibit its use altogether but if he should not choose to do this but only to act in particular cases there is nothing in the ordinance to guide or control his action it lays down no rules by which its impartial execution can be secured or partiality and oppression prevented it is clear that giving and enforcing these notices may and quite likely will bring ruin to the business of those against whom they are directed while others from whom they are withheld may be actually benefited by what is thus done to their neighbors and when we remember that this action of non-action may proceed from enmity or prejudice from partisan zeal or animosity from favoritism and other improper influences and motives easy of concealment and difficult to be detected and exposed it becomes unnecessary to suggest or comment upon the injustice capable of being wrought under cover of such a power for that becomes apparent to every one who gives to the subject a moment's consideration in fact an ordinance which clothes a single individual with such power hardly falls within the domain of law and we are constrained to pronounce it inoperative and void this conclusion and the reasoning on which it is based are deductions from the face of the ordinance as to its necessary pendency and ultimate actual operation in the present cases we are not obliged to reason from the probable to the actual and pass upon the validity of the ordinance complained of as tried merely by the opportunities which their terms afford of unequal and unjust discrimination in their administration for the cases present the ordinance in actual operation and the facts shown establish an administration directed so exclusively against a particular class of persons as to warrant and require the conclusion that whatever may have been the intent of the ordinances as adopted they are applied by the public authorities charged with their administration and thus representing the state itself with a mind so unequal and oppressive as to amount to a practical denial by the state of that equal protection of the laws which is secured to the petitioners as to all other persons by the broad and benign provisions of the fourteenth amendment to the constitution of the united states though the law itself be fair on its face and impartial in appearance yet if it is applied and administered by public authority with an evil eye and an unequal hand so as practically to make unjust and illegal discriminations between persons in similar circumstances material to their rights the denial of equal justice is still within the prohibition of the constitution this principle of interpretation has been sanctioned by this court in henderson v mayor of new york Chai Looney versus Freeman, Ex Parte Virginia, Neal versus Delaware, and Sun Hing versus Crowley. The present cases, as shown by the facts disclosed in the record, are within this class. It appears that both petitioners have complied with every requisite deemed by the law or by the public officers charged with its administration, necessary for the protection of neighboring property from fire or as a precaution against injury to the public health no reason whatever except the will of the supervisors is assigned why they should not be permitted to carry on in the accustomed manner their harmless and useful occupation on which they depend for a livelihood and while this consent of the supervisors is withheld from them and from two hundred others who have also petitioned all of whom happen to be chinese subjects eighty others not chinese subjects are permitted to carry on the same business under similar conditions the fact of this discrimination is admitted no reason for it is shown and the conclusion cannot be resisted that no reason for it exists except hostility to the race and nationality to which the petitioners belong and which in the eye of the law is not justified the discrimination is therefore illegal and the public administration which enforces it is a denial of the equal protection of the laws and a violation of the fourteenth amendment of the constitution the imprisonment of the petitioners is therefore illegal and they must be discharged to this end the judgment of the supreme court of california in the case of yik woe and that of the circuit court of the united states for the district of california in the case of woe lee are severally reversed and the cases remanded, each to the proper court, with directions to discharge the petitioners from custody and imprisonment. End of Yick Woe v. Hopkins, an opinion of the United States Supreme Court.